Please stand for the reading of the word. Today we're reading out of book Matthew, uh, chapter 12, verses 43 and 44. When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. I think you may be seated. Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Good? So my name is Jesse. And I am the Discipleship Director here at Hope City Church, and I am so excited to bring our series, Angels and Demons, to a close. We have been discussing spiritual warfare and acknowledging the fact that the devil is real, but we have been disarming him and pointing out that he is a liar and a deceiver. And in week two, Pastor Jason reminded us there are more on our side than on his. And in week three, he talked about how in order to resist the devil, we must put to practice our faith by putting on the full armor of God. And so today, I want to talk about the spiritual battle between the flesh and the spirit. I want to address the demonic forces that hold so many people captive and destroy lives and families and generations. Because I don't believe that you can talk about spiritual warfare without talking about addiction. Especially drug addiction. Because addiction is a physical representation of evil in this world. If you've ever seen someone that's been addicted... You can see it. You can sense it. You can feel it. We are at war between our flesh and our spirit. Our flesh is self-indulgent, but our spirit is with Christ and filled with the power of God. Our flesh is weak, but our spirit is willing. But it's an addiction that the enemy can keep us bound and trapped and captive It's where he lies to us. It's where we indulge in bad behavior and believe the thoughts and feelings that are opposite of God's will in order for the devil to destroy us. And so today it's going to get a little heavy, but it's not a scare tactic. It is to warn you and equip you so that you may overpower darkness So that you will be equipped to stand firm in your faith. I think about what Paul said in Acts 20 verse 31. He said, so be on guard. Remember, for three years, I did not stop warning you with tears. That is my heart. That is the heart of the church. That is the heart of your pastors and your leaders here at Hope City Church to warn you and to equip you so that you will be able to stand firm in your faith. 
When I thought about evil and darkness, I was like, I want to show them something so they can see it, like a physical form of it. And we all love the show The Chosen around here. So I thought about the very first show, episode one, when Mary is demon-possessed. She is destroying things. No one can control her. And so the Roman soldiers call on Nicodemus, a religious leader, to cast the demon out of her. The full disclosure, this gets a little heavy and a little dark. But if you will, let's watch this clip together. I'm trying to help her, Rivka. All you're going to do is mess this place up. Then what? You're going to stop by and help clean? The demons Rabbi. that torment her soul will turn your place to dust. Even if you care nothing for her soul, at least... Lilith never hurt anyone that didn't hurt her first. Mostly. She has these spells. We let her be and then she's as sweet as an angel again. Curse it all, Lil! You can put an end to this. I adjure you by the holy angels. Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, Uriel, and Raziel. I adjure you, cursed dragon, diabolical legions. Come out! I adjure you, spawn of Beelzebub, abandoned and Sheol, by the utterance of all the watchers and the holy ones. In the name of Adonai, God of the heavens, cease to deceive this human creature. I command you, in covenant with Abraham, in the names of Jacob, Isaac, Moses, the all-powerful El Shaddai. Why from this innocent soul? that if there is something in you that's like whoa that's a little dark that's a little scary that is exactly how you should feel because you have the Holy Spirit inside of you which points out evil 
and shows you what is not right. When I see that, there are so many things that stand out for me. First of all, I think I look, it's like when I look at Mary like that and I think to myself like, what happened to her? What did she open herself up to? Or I look at Nicodemus, a religious leader who leaves in fear and the demon tells him, we're not scared of you. You have no authority here. But listen, I do not want us to get so caught up in demonic possession and like the novelty of demons. And I do not want us to be on the other extreme where we're like, oh, I'm not demon-possessed, so I'm good. I need you somewhere in the middle. Because if not, you will miss the point. Because what we are all facing, every single one of us in this room, is spiritual resistance. The battle between the flesh and the spirit, the war of good and evil. Every one of us, every one of us is susceptible to being influenced by evil because our flesh is weak. It's not a scare tactic. It is to warn you so that you will be on guard and equipped to resist the devil so he will flee. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit, it shows us darkness. It says, hey, that's not right. It shows you what is right and wrong because he is our helper. We just have to listen to him. I think we can all agree in our spirit and with our physical eyes that addiction is not right. When you look at it, you can see it, you can tell, you can sense it. If you've ever been around someone that's addicted, you can feel the darkness. You can see the chaos. There's no order. There is no peace. And I'm pretty sure if I asked you all to raise your hands, if you've ever been around someone, you've been addicted yourself, lost someone to addiction, pretty much all of us would have our hands up. I looked at some statistics, and one from the National Vital Statistics System, the NVSS, which records all of our birth and death rates for the United States. It says, between 2016 and 2021, there were 86.1% to 92.2% of drug overdose deaths, and all of them were unintentional. In 2021, there were 106,699 drug overdose deaths in the United States because the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. I myself am far too familiar with addiction, but I am a recovered drug addict. I'm recovered. Yes. I have been set free. I do not walk in the dark. I walk in the light. By the blood of Jesus, I am an overcomer. And you can too. Because Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. So I want to tell you a little bit about my story. A little bit about my testimony. So that you can see that although the devil may come to destroy, 
Jesus Christ came to redeem and to restore. Set the captives free. That's why he came. Freedom is possible. And you can not only be free and sober, but you can be someone that is unrecognizable, completely transformed, and not just from addiction, from whatever that you are facing today. For me, addiction is a generational problem. I was born into it. As the Bible says, the sins of the father become the sins of the children. And that's what happened in my family. From birth, drugs and sex and abuse and violence and money and greed and gambling were all part of my life. You name it, my family was addicted to it. Our home was the devil's playground. But you wouldn't know it looking from the outside in. Because it was all cleaned up, put together. It looked fancy and orderly and nice. But from the inside, it was a chaotic mess. For 29 years, I lived in darkness. The first time I ever had a drink of alcohol, I think I was about nine years old. By the time I was 14, I was drinking and smoking on a regular basis. By the time I entered high school, all bets were off. And I would do any drug that I could get my hands on. I was taking pills at a regular, like, everyday basis, smoking marijuana, taking hallucinogens like mushroom and acid and ecstasy, doing meth and cocaine. Yet I was still able to manage it. I played sports. I got good grades. I got a scholarship for college to play basketball. I would have said, like, I'm a good person. But I think about what we saw when we watched that clip. When Mary's friend told Nicodemus, she said one minute, she's as sweet as can be. And the next minute, she's destroying things. And I wonder today, how many of you in this room are familiar with being a functioning addict? Who every now and then just take it a little too far. Because that's what I was. I could keep it together sometimes. And then sometimes I couldn't. And by the time I got to college, I was tired of the good girl act. Like sin was way more enticing than being good. Because it's a lie. It's how it starts. A little bit of fun turns into a life where you can't live without it. And so I quit school, and I would spend the next 10 years diving deeper and deeper into addiction and into darkness. I was in and out of jail. I would get in trouble, and then I would clean myself up for court and the judges to get out of trouble, and then I'd be right back at it. And with each new drug and each new sin, I became more addicted more violent, more erratic, more uncontrollable. I totaled so many cars, lost everything I had until I found myself at my lowest. I had become someone I swore I never would be because that's what sin does, right? Always takes you further than you want to go. I was addicted to heroin. See, when you see someone that is strung out on heroin, you can see the darkness. 
I, was, I had collapsed all the veins in my body. Bruises were all over me. I was about 120 pounds soaking wet. I looked awful, and I looked sickly. I had buried 15 of my closest friends to drug overdoses. I had watched a close friend actually shoot and kill himself as we sat in the kitchen table in front of me. If you've ever been to the funeral of someone that you love or that you have lost or that you know that has lost their life to drug addiction, you can see the darkness. It's sad. It's dark. It's demonic. And by the end of my 20s, I had become the shell, this like shell of a person. I was empty. Darkness had overtaken me. I wanted to die, and the devil was trying to kill me. And so I want us to look back at our verse today. Matthew 12, verse 43 through 45, it says, When an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert seeking rest and finds none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of our evil generation. That's heavy, right? That was my life. I would clean myself up. Make it look good on the outside, pull myself up with my own strength and my own willpower. But each time, I would always end up worse than before. Because I was empty and I was far from God. I had no relationship with Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you would say, you know what it's like to be addicted, and you are tired. You've been trying to clean yourself up for a long time, trying to get it together. Maybe you wouldn't say you feel empty. Maybe instead you would say, I'm fine, because fine's good, right? Besides, you've worked hard to keep your life together. You're successful. You got it going on. But do you? Maybe you've never experienced addiction. And so you're like, this message is not for me. But maybe what you're trying to break free from is good behavior or religion, and you just can't seem to be well-behaved enough, so you feel empty, but you don't see it because the devil is deceiving you. Look, I have been there, and I am here to tell you today that you can be full. You can be filled with the power of God because this battle does not belong to you. So earlier, I showed you a clip from The Chosen when Mary Magdalene was demon-possessed. Now I want to show you another clip. When Mary encounters Jesus Christ. Right before this, she is about to throw herself off of a cliff. She is at the end of her rope. She doesn't, but she goes back to what's familiar to what comforts her, she goes back to the bar, to the brothel. So let's watch this clip. I don't know what else I can do to help you. Give me that. Lots of it. That's not going to solve your problems. It's meant to distract from no them. No more preaching. Just give it to me. 
Lilith, please listen to it and please. says the Lord who created you and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You freedom you're like yeah Jesus we know it's the answer but it is far more than that it is love the love of Jesus Christ you can see it you can see that when he embraces Mary that everything else falls away that she is healed he said I called you by name I formed you. How do you drown out darkness? It's with the light. Jesus said, those who follow me will not walk in darkness, but in the light. Think about when you're in a dark room, you turn on the light, what you could see. She could see. That's how you drown out the darkness with the light. Jesus is the light. I can relate to Mary. I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And I was forever changed. The lights came on and I could see. I could see Jesus Christ. Not some man in a picture or from the word nailed to a cross. I could see him. Kind, 
and gentle, merciful, sinless man who was beaten and tortured for me, the worst version of me, so that I may live, so that we all may live. I could see my sin and darkness and evil, and I could see it was breaking his heart. My eyes were opened. The lights came on. I could see real love. And suddenly, the emptiness that I had been trying to fill my entire life was full. I love the way that A.W. Tozer described the cross. He said, If man had his way, the plan of redemption would be an endless bloody conflict. In reality, salvation was bought not by Jesus' fist, but by his nail-pierced hands. Not by muscle, but by love. Not by vengeance, but by forgiveness. Not by force, but by sacrifice. Jesus Christ, our Lord, surrendered in order that he might win. He destroyed his enemies by dying for them and conquered death by allowing death to conquer him. Love conquers all. The war has already been won. By the blood of Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. And through faith, we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Through faith, victory is possible. So I ask you today, have you had an encounter with Jesus Christ? If you have, like, do you believe like really believe that you have the same power inside of you to overcome darkness? Do you believe that? Because I did. And all you need is that encounter with Jesus to feel that love. And when I saw that, I surrendered my way of trying to do things, trying to stay sober, trying to clean it up on my own strength. I just started to seek him, to learn about him, to come to know him, everything I could. Because he loved me, and I loved him. And then year after year would pass in sobriety. And not because I had finally gained self-control, but because I was walking in freedom. For so long, I believed the lie that it is up to me. Clean myself up. Get it together. Be strong. You can do it. Finally, I realized, I learned, I was not fighting for victory. I was fighting from it. Victory through Jesus Christ. He already had the victory. And so I could have it too. Love had conquered all. I just had to believe that I could walk in it. A wretch like me. I'm not saying that I was no longer tempted. Because the devil's a liar. But I had learned how to recognize my temper. I learned how to use my weapon to fight back. The Bible says, submit yourselves to God Resist the devil and he will flee 
Or how about greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world? Listen, I understand that because you are saved, you might not be free. Or because you're sober, everything's not easy. We are still in a battle. We live in a broken world. And the years that we spend in darkness, separated from God, they do not go away overnight. Our worldly experiences, sin, the trauma, the abuse, the addiction, it has pre-programmed our, our brains with thoughts and behaviors and responses to things that are opposite of God's will. Like the verse says, the evil spirit leaves a person. It goes into the desert seeking rest but finds none. And so it comes back to the person it left with seven other spirits more evil than itself. It's warning us right here. It will come back. The enemy comes back. The battle between our flesh and our spirit, he comes back ready to lie, to make you doubt your salvation, to make you doubt your faith, to make you doubt God. To make you believe that the old way was better. With his lies. But remember, we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. Paul said, I am not ignorant to the devil's devices. I recognize his schemes and his tactics. The battle between the flesh and the spirit. See, Satan is not scared of you. And he's not scared of me, although I would like to think he is. But you know who he's terrified of? Jesus Christ. He knows he has no authority and no power over Jesus. None. But if he can get us to focus on our flesh, the things we see, that's how he gets us. That's how he can destroy us. He wants us to focus on our feelings, our self-doubt, our self-hate, what we've lost, what we lack, what we don't have. He wants us to point the finger at who's hurt us, what they did. He wants us to stay bound in bitterness and unforgiveness and resentments. Why do you think the Bible says the greatest commandment is love God and then love your neighbor? Because if you're loving your neighbor, you're not pointing the finger at them, blaming them for all of your problems. You're loving them. Jesus Christ says, you're enough just as you are. Come to me and I will give you rest. Freedom. It's possible. So ask yourself, when the enemy comes back to you, what do you want him to find? An empty house or one filled with the Holy Spirit and the power of God? Listen, the devil is real. Demonic possession, it is real because we live in a world where people are separated from God. Oppression, it happens. Sometimes it's generational. Sometimes it's from mental illness and trauma. But hear me. Hear my heart. More often than not, you are in a battle between your flesh 
and your spirit. And what you are inviting in, meaning the places you go, the people you surround yourself with, the choices you make, you are either inviting in the Holy Spirit and you are walking in the Spirit. Or you are inviting in the enemy and you're walking in your flesh. Why do you think when you come to church on Sunday, surrounded by other believers, worshiping God, filled with the power, you're ready to conquer all when you leave here. But then Monday comes, and you're back around the same old people doing the same old things. And you wonder why. You feel defeated and powerless. It's because the environment you're in matters. What you invite in, it matters. So I ask you today, what is your flesh at war about? Do you know what your flesh desires? Might not be drugs, but it craves something. Would you say you've been set free? Do you really believe that you can be? Because it's possible. I am living proof that Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. And not just me. All of you. All of us. The invitation to freedom is there. Like you can be completely transformed, not just sober, not just saved. Walking in freedom because listen to me, I feel like some of you are one lie, one scheme, one bad decision away from going back to who you used to be. Don't do it. Do not do it. Do not throw it all away. I've been there. It is a lie. The devil wants to kill you. He is sneaky. He's been doing this a long time. And he has perfected it. He doesn't look like a cartoon character. That's what he wants us to think he looks like. He does not. And sometimes he will be coming disguised as a friend. And they'll say things like, it's just weed. It's just a drink. Have sex. Everybody's doing it. You deserve it. It's been a hard day. But in my experience, I have walked it out. And every one of our experiences are different. But in my experience, weed and drinking and premarital sex, they are gateway drugs. They are opposite of God's will. And you are opening the door to evil. Hear my heart. I am not saying if you're smoking weed, if you're drinking, if you're having premarital sex, you're going to hell. I am not saying that. I am saying you are inviting in the enemy. You are susceptible to his lies. He wants us to believe that what our flesh craves is harmless. He wants us to justify it and explain it away. Because we need it, right? But he is a liar. 
2 Peter 2, verse 19 through 20 says, They promise freedom, but they themselves are slaves of sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. And when people escape from the wickedness of this world by knowing our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then they get tangled up again and enslaved, they are worse off than before. It's the theme of the day. Sin will lead you astray. Drugs and alcohol and sex and money and people's approval. It will not change the way you feel. Only God can do that. Only Jesus. The invitation to freedom through Jesus Christ is there for you. And you get a choice. What will you choose? Because you can either be filled with the Spirit of God and have abundant life, have freedom, or you can be filled with this world and barely getting by and bound and chained up. What will you choose? Because listen, I know the world is enticing. Sin always is. But I hope you can hear my heart today. I am not telling you to get clean, to get sober, don't sin, get it together. I'm not saying that. I am saying to you, don't waste your life indulging in worldly pleasure. Don't believe the lies. It's a lie. Be saved. Be set free. I plead with you to live a life worthy of your calling. Walk in the authority and the victory that you can have through Jesus Christ. And then your life will reflect the fruits of the Spirit Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and self-control. It is only when you can understand the love of Christ, when you know that you are more sinful than you believe you are, but you are more loved than you could ever understand. Or ever know that is what will set you free. Jesus Christ came to set the captives free. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm going to pray for us. And as always, we will have the elements of communion down at the front. Jesus said, do this often in remembrance of me. And so I encourage you to drink of his blood, eat of his flesh, to remember how he has set you free and the victory that you walk in. We will also have our prayer team down here. And the Bible says, if any of you are sick, you should call on the elders of the church and have them pray for you. And through Faith, you will be healed. Some of the people down here are your elders. 
Some of them are the staff. Some of them are just your congregation. The Bible says confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The devil wants to keep us bound in the darkness. But when you confess, you walk in the light. He loses his power. And so I encourage you to come and let us pray for you. Let's close out in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ. That he came to set the captives free. And through faith, God, we can have boldness and authority and to be free from our burdens and our chains and our sins and darkness. God, I just pray that the people that are suffering in silence, God, the people that are hurting, that they will have the boldness to seek you, to come and ask for prayer, to come and chase after you every day until freedom is found. God, I thank you that through Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus that we are overcomers. God, I just pray that you will have your way in this room today. That we will feel your presence and your power and your authority. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen.